Okay, can I have an honest conversation with you guys this morning? By the way, September, we've been hearing, and Amanda heard this word, and it just confirms with them things that God has been speaking to her and I, is a, is a season of shifting into things suddenly. Doors suddenly opening. Uh, th- things suddenly launching. God, God's uh, quickly birthing things. Uh, and so be ready. Uh, Mary, be on the lookout. She's a midwife, by the way. Uh, A month of suddenly. So be prepared in your life for God to shift things suddenly in your life and to open up doors and don't be shocked and take two years to process something God may want you to enter into. How many of you know that we've gotten this mindset in, in the Western church world that everything has to be planned out and scheduled or we can't deal with it? Uh, way ahead of time, and, and there's a value for spontaneity that we've lost in our Greek mindset here. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he accomplished probably more spontaneously than he did on, on man's schedule. And so there's a value for spontaneity that we need to recapture, not show up three hours late to something that, an appointment that you have. That's not what I'm talking about, although Jesus did some of that. Uh, you might miss something if you do that deliberately, but if you're on an appointment from God, it's okay for you to uh, allow his schedule to prevail in your life. Amen? So, last year, and, 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 if, and if you're a visitor here today, uh, you're going to get a, a little snapshot of where we're at today. Um, you're going to get a little glimpse. I'm just going to speak very honestly from my heart about uh, what we've come through in the, in the past couple years. Last year, when churches shut down all over the country, I was shocked and then angry. And then I began to grieve over the condition of the church in America. Our church thrived last year. And I felt bad that we were gaining through the losses of others. The Lord said to me, this will be a special forces training camp. Okay, Lord. But I continued to grieve. I love the church. She's Jesus' bride. And I have a deep passion for her purity, her devotion, her love, and her faith. And I was devastated that I was seeing so much fear and such lack of courage in the church of my nation. In the summer of 2020, the Lord spoke to me and he said, the world is flooded right now. I never said I wouldn't flood the earth again. I said I wouldn't destroy the earth with a flood. This flood will save the world. Then I began to understand, as, as the Lord helped me put those, connect those dots and put those pieces together, that the courageous, faith-filled remnant is the heirloom seed that will repopulate the planet with a pure seed, a holy nation, worthy of becoming a bride for the Son of God. Okay? I said a lot there. 
The church that has morphed into a GMO, hybrid mixture of men's doctrines and God's word, is not that. She is a weak, politically correct counterfeit. I'm not condemning people that are in that. I'm talking to you about the system of the thing and where it's at. And it's painful for me to say that. During all of that, a prophetic pastor sent me this word that that the Lord gave him for me and for us. It's in Revelation 3, verse 8, 10, and 11. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Interesting choice of words there. Corona means crown. It's a false crown. It's meant to steal the crown of God's elect. I continued to grieve. My heart was heavy. And then a few days ago, the Lord said to me, how long will you continue to grieve? It's time to rise up and do what I've given you to do. I said, yes, sir. I think I'm done now. And I said goodbye to my season of grieving. It reminded me of how the Lord spoke to Samuel concerning Saul in 1 Samuel 16, 1 where it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king among his sons. So first of all, I need to ask your forgiveness for allowing myself to be distracted from the mission at hand. Now it's time to... Embrace the next season of life. It's time to, number one, begin some real strategic planning. How will we engage in the very ambitious agenda that the Lord has put before us? And that's something that I'm dedicating myself to. At number two, it's time to organize our administrative operations so that we can be more effective in deploying our resources where they're needed and delegate more effectively. I'm giving myself to that. Number three, it's time to strategically organize our different ministries so they can be properly led, collaborate where it's beneficial to do so, and empower leaders to lead more effectively. For example, pastoring the local congregation, pastoring the the people of the congregation, administrating the school, leading our missions department, which is very important, leading our ministry network, which wants to grow quickly, establishing and leading our life center, which has yet to be birthed. We need to raise up evangelists, youth evangelists, healing and deliverance evangelists. I, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to focus on the evangelistic anointing that he wants to raise up in the body in this hour. 
pastors, those with shepherds' hearts. And a lot of that is already happening and through our small group ministry. That's going to continue to, to grow and to expand. Uh, our vision for small groups is not uh, probably very traditional. Uh, if I were to uh, kind of define who we are as a church, it's pro- I would probably say that we are a semi-centralized house church network. That's what we're becoming. People come from a large geographical area to this place. And so there's no way that we can effectively just be a community church. And so our, our assignment is to shepherd leaders that lead uh, house groups and, and, and literally empower them as pastors to shepherd their flocks, no matter where they are. Uh, the last time I did this, and, and I'm not going to do it this morning because I don't want to take up time, uh, but the last time I threw some, I said, how many counties, how many different counties do we have people? I, we had 16 counties represented here. Uh, and so it's just too large of an area uh, for us to be in and out of the local church throughout the week all the time because people have to travel too far. And so we tried to make the most out of our Sunday morning gatherings and... Uh, so we need uh, pastors, we need teachers, uh, we need to raise up prophets, we need to raise up apostles, otherwise known as missionaries. A lot of people want the title, but they don't want to go to the front lines and do the work. So that's why I'm making sure that I define it for what it is. Uh, apostles are missionaries that go to the front lines where Jesus sends them, and they demonstrate uh, the power of the gospel the way that Jesus assigned the early church to do. And those kinds of things are still going on. Uh, We need to raise them up in the church, which I believe is the incubator for all of culture, for the kingdom. Uh, We need to deploy them in the church, in the government, in our education system, in the business world, in our arts and entertainment industry, in the media, into the culture of family, which desperately needs to be restored to a healthy place in our nation and in the world. So there's a trending narrative. By the way, I'm not, I'm not big into trends unless they're kingdom trends. Uh, things that are here today and gone tomorrow don't, don't excite me too much. Um, But there's a trending narrative that America needs to get off its prideful high horse and abdicate her leadership role in the world. Who are we to think that we should be the leader of the free world, right? Much less the whole world. Why should we have special status or continue to believe in American exceptionalism, right? That's really trendy to think that way today. All of that is based on a false narrative which the reprobate media in our nation has reframed to make it more digestible to the masses. Our leadership role in the world is not because we're better than anyone else. It's because we have been given an assignment from heaven. Luke 14, verse 48, part of the verse says, Everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. We've been given much. 
Our nation has been given resources that no other nation has been given. Because we have an apostolic assignment upon this nation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout that from the rooftops until the church wakes up and hears it. We're not, we're not, we haven't been given all these resources so that we can be fat and happy and, and, and lift ourselves up above everybody else. It's so that we can be effectively uh, mobilized and resourced to take the gospel to the nations of the earth. No nation ever has been blessed with the resources that we have. And those resources need to be empowering us to take this gospel to every nation, tongue, and tribe that Jesus sends us to. And if we fulfill that assignment, I, I was at a conference at uh, Morningstar a few years ago, and a young man was there who had done a, a bunch of historical research on trends and things that have happened in the country. And so he showed a, a graph that showed the rise and fall of the stock market since, I don't know what it was, 19, way back, maybe the 30s. And then he showed another graph that showed how many missionaries America has been sending out to the nations. And he laid them on top of each other and they fit together almost perfectly. That kind of speaks of purpose, doesn't it? The more, the more missionaries that we sent to the nations, the more prosperous we became because we were connecting with our purpose and the assignment that heaven has given to this nation. Now, it's kind of popular in some parts of our religious culture to think, well, that means we have to translate the Bible into every, every language, and then we'll have finished that assignment. That's not what he said. I, I agree with translating the Bible into every language. But that's not what he said. He said, take this, uh, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in every nation. Which means uh, not Bible school lessons, not Sunday school lessons, but a demonstration of the kingdom and power. And so the Lord's looking for evangelists and, and, and missionaries and apostles and prophets and teachers that are anointed of God to demonstrate the power of the gospel to the nations of the earth. And, and, and let me tell you something. Uh, it's really hard to demonstrate that from, from your lazy boy. Or just continuing in your daily routine. You need to demonstrate it there. But I'm going to tell you where God's really going to meet you with power is when you are on the assignment that God has given you to go to the front lines wherever that is. I, I never experience at home the level of power that we do when we're on assignment in South America. It, ha it has, There's something about that river of life that begins at home and flows to the ends of the earth. Ezekiel talked about that in Ezekiel 47. There's something about the further it flows, the deeper that it gets, the more powerful it gets, the more healing is released through it. So let's look at Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to, him, to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. 
and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. End of what? The end of the age. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Who's being hated today? Believers, primarily. They're, they're the number one enemy of everything outside of the church of Jesus. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. What's going on a lot today? A whole lot of offense, a whole lot of division, a whole lot of hate, a whole lot of betrayal. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I don't even have time to get into all of that. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, what does that mean? The strong and courageous ones shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. It's interesting, the Greek word <coughs> that's used for witness there, marturion. It's the word that martyr comes from. Being a witness means being willing to lay down your life. To all the nations, and then the end of the age will come. I add it. So, uh, we went down to, we took two trips to South America so far this year. One, one was at the beginning of June, and the other one was at the end of July. And, uh, or I did, not all of us did. And uh, so, We've been going, when we go, most of the time when we go to Peru, we go visit this uh, tribe uh, called the Bora tribe. And we've been friends with, of theirs for quite a few years. And uh, the old chief, Chief Rafael, passed away two years ago, I think, and uh, passed his mantle to his son, Walter. And... Uh, and Walter had been messaging me and telling me, uh, when are you going to come see us? I have a gift for you. And I said, okay. So uh, we went out to, to visit with them when we were down uh, the 1st first of, first of, first of July. That's when we went, right? Not this past trip. 1st uh, of July, we went out to see them. And Walter presents me with this. This is uh, made out of tree bark. It's what they make their skirts out of in that tribe. And uh, they also make uh, decorative things. I mean, they, they adorn their skirts kind of with some of these patterns. And each one has their own story on it, kind of. Uh, but they also make decorative wall hangings out of it. And so he made this for me uh, and uh, personalized it. And, and what it is, it's, it's, a, it's an open book. And on the left side uh, is a scripture verse in Bora language, and on the right side, the same verse in Spanish. And it's Joshua 1.9. 
And, it, and it, he probably couldn't have nailed what God was assigning me to more effectively than he could with that verse. And uh, Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's the assignment that God gave to Joshua as they entered into Canaan and began to possess the land. Uh, Now today, no matter what your eschatology is about how we transition into the next age, I think most of us agree that we're in a time of transition uh, now from one age to another. If we're at the close of the 6,000 years since creation whatever you believe about that time. And a day to the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day, as it says in in, in the book of Peter. Then we are at the threshold of the seventh day. And you can frame that as the day of the Lord, a terrible day, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of judgment, a day when men's hearts fail from the fear of those things coming on the earth, and all of that is biblically correct. Or you can frame it as the Lord's day, the day of his rest, the day of his power, a day when what we tasted of in the last age of signs, wonders, and miracles, the power to live a supernatural life, now becomes a way of life. That's also biblically correct. The Bible fully supports both views. How can that be? So how do we transition from this age to the next? Does Jesus come to rapture the church? We have a wedding, and then he returns with the saints to set up an earthly kingdom? Or do his faithful warriors cross over, take the land that he promised us? And he worked with us, with all of heaven empowering us to possess our inheritance and a more spiritual fulfillment of the union between Christ and his bride, becoming one in the next age. None of us know for sure exactly how it's going to look. There's plenty of opinions about it. Everyone's got an opinion, right? I have my own opinions of how it may look, but I'm not going to push them on you. What I am going to say is this. Let's let go of the fantasy that we can sit back and wait for Jesus to come rescue us. Let's let go of that. That has not served the church well at all. Whole generations of potential warriors have sat down on the sidelines because of that fantasy. And it's time for us to engage in what he has assigned us to. Hebrews 10.12 says this, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. I wonder who he's waiting for. I think the church has been waiting for him to do that, right? He's waiting on us. For by one offering, 
He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And there you see the paradox. Well, I've got all this brokenness. I need all this healing. You know, I'm just not righteous enough yet. I'm not. You know what? You need to, you need to get a new lens to see yourself in light of what Jesus did for you. By one offering, he has perfected you while you're in the process of being sanctified. In other words, there, I, I may not always see the perfection that Jesus paid for coming out of your life, but as far as he's concerned, it's done, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are perfected in him. Because of your faith, you are righteous, no matter how you see yourself. And, and, and once you begin to see yourself through his eyes, the things that you're struggling with will, will begin to lose their grip and their power over you, and you'll begin to experience the power that he has given you to live a resurrected life. Amen? If he said it, that settles it. That's just where I stand. My wife and I are in this constant tension about uh, tr- trying to get balance between the finished work and the process. And I'll come down every time on the side of it. Jesus said it, it's, it's, done, it's a done deal. I don't care what I feel or what the circumstances look like. If Jesus said it, if he paid for it, it's a done deal, and I'm going to walk into it by faith. Amen? Amen? And he'll deal with the stuff that he needs to deal with in that process of me being sanctified which means actually experientially coming into it all. Amen? Isaiah 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Actually, I want to pause a little bit before I read that. Um, Scripture talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. Talks about the the truth of the word of God as a sharp two-edged sword. The word of God is living and powerful. That's Hebrews 4.12. Living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so a lot of times in Scripture you'll see this tension This is true. On the other hand, this is also true. And if you only see one or the other of those things, you only have half a truth. Okay, because the the, the sword of truth has two edges. And so there's this tension between these different views and these different perspectives, just like in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Uh, Which one is it? Is the world covered with darkness? Or is, is, is the world covered with light? Well, it's both at the same time. There's incredible darkness that's intensifying. It's, it's full grown. It's sticking its ugly head, head up. It can no longer be hidden. It's out in the, in the open for anyone to see. And at the same time, there's an unprecedented presence, uh, presence and glory of God and a light of illumination and revelation coming upon God's people that are walking in his, in his spirit and dwelling in his presence. Both of them are happening at the same time. So we have to learn to hold these seemingly contradictory truths in tension. And, and, and uh, you know, if we would have learned to do that hundreds of years ago, we could have avoided some of the deepest divisions in the church. 
You know, are we once saved, always saved, and, and all of that? Or do we have a responsibility to walk free from sin? Both. At the same time. You know, when he saved you, he sanctified you fully, uh, and yet you have a responsibility to depart from iniquity. Both of them are true at the same time. One doesn't threaten the other. You know, they, they, they both uh, happen concurrently. So what I want to do, and then we're going to get ready for communion, and, and, and we're also going to take up uh, a retiring offering for Mark Guggens and his ministry in uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan because I've been believing for a powerful uh, fear of God to fall on Afghanistan, for the Afghani, for the Afghani believers to be strong and bold and powerful and, and be willing to give their life if necessary for the gospel. I, you know, the, the seed of the martyrs has, the, the blood of the martyrs has always been the seed of the church. And that has not changed. And, and so it's not time for Christians to, to cower in fear at being willing to give their life for the gospel. You know what I'm saying? It, it, if anything, this battle is intensifying and we need to be willing to face death. Uh, they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives even unto death. And we're not exempt from that. Every one of us needs to be willing to lay down our life for the gospel. This is not, this is not for the weak of heart. If you, if you want uh, a, a nice, comfortable gospel that allows you to go through your life and, and not be challenged, then I, there's plenty of places we can direct you to. This is not that place. This is, this is a camp for warriors. This is, this is for, the, for the faithful, for the courageous, uh, for those who are willing to put their life on the line for what Jesus has called us to, okay? Uh, and, and you know what? I believe there's a young generation of warriors is waiting to hear a message like that. They want something that they can give their life for. And that takes me back to Afghanistan because I believe the other piece that the Lord is beginning to show me is that there is a revolution of youth that's going to happen in Afghanistan that are tired of oppression, they're tired of religious hypocrisy and, and, and corruption, and they're, they're, I believe that a revival is going to feed a revolution. And I'm going to, I'm going to be cheering for both, not just one or the other. You know, our nation, there was a revival and awakening that came to this land that actually fed the revolution that needed to happen for us to uh, escape from oppression from Great Britain, from tyranny. And I believe the same thing is going to happen in Afghanistan, that there's a revival coming to the church, and it's going to feed and empower a revolution of the, of the youth against the oppression of the Taliban. Amen? That's what I believe. You can believe what you want, but that's what I believe, and that's what I'm praying for. So anyway, uh, so we're going to take up an offering for Mark. I just, he just posted that the first 10000 that's raised, somebody has committed to, to matching. And so uh, the, the, the more money that we raise, the more at least up to $10,000. But, but we're going to uh, receive an offering for... Uh, for Mark and, and Afghanistan, for that ministry, it's all going right to their ministry. Uh, and we're also going to take up communion. So just as you come to receive communion, whatever you have for, 
for Mark. Uh, make your checks out to Freedom Fellowship Church or FFC, or you can give online. Uh, what's our... We have a special designation or something, I think, uh, in our online giving that, uh, where you can give online. I think it's special. It'll come up here in a little bit. Um, and uh, we're going to take up our, uh, our, uh, our offering and we're going to receive communion. Uh, but as before we do that, and the worship team is going to come back up and, and we're going we're to go out with, in a blaze of glory today. Amen? To quote an old Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton song. <laughs> Let's go out in a blaze of glory. Let's go out like we came in. Amen? It's kind of a prophetic line, I think. Um, but I want you to stand as I read Isaiah 60. And I want, to, I want you to allow these words to minister to your spirit. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the, of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephra of, and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. And all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nabioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish shall come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious." Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings, you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring you gold. 
Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I, also, I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let, let that prophetic promise of what God wants to do in his nation, in his people, and, and, and obviously uh, some of that applies to the nation of Israel which is natural Israel, but it also applies to the spiritual people of God, which we are. We've been engrafted into the whole house of Israel. And so this is an, a, 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 a picture, a snapshot of what his kingdom is going to look like as Jesus sets up his kingdom in our midst. And this is the time for us to embrace that by faith and let go of any mindset of fear and a victimization that the enemies brought on us and recognize that God has called us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. All of the promises, and I, I encourage you to read that, Revelation 2 and 3, all the incredible promises that's given to each one of those seven uh, prophetic pictures of the church are given to the overcomers, not to the survivors. Uh, no. I'm, surviving is better than not surviving, but it's not what he has for us. He has something more for us. Surviving is a wilderness reality. Overcoming is a Canaan or promised land reality, and that's what he's invited us into, is coming into a place of, going, of, of reclaiming our inheritance and fighting the enemy out of our inheritance. Amen? He's not dropping the inheritance in our lap as we sit watch TV. Not, not preaching against TV. I'm just saying... There needs to be something more that we're engaged in. And, and, and that is to actively go after the inheritance that God has for us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all of your promises. Forgive us for any places where we've been discouraged, where we've been fearful, where we've gotten upset and angry because we thought you weren't doing what you promised to do. But today, Father, I ask that you would wake up the, the warrior spirit in every one of us, that we would no longer be at peace with the enemy being in our camp, but that we'd begin to possess what you've given us to possess, that we would be willing to get our sword out and begin to fight with the sword of truth, the sword of, of, of the spirit, that we would remember the promises that you've made to every one of us, that we'd even get promises that we put on the shelf because we thought, no, I, that's just too much. That we get those things down, we dust them off, and we allow them to re-engage in our hearts and in our spirits, and this would be a time of your army beginning to rise up and, and report for duty. This is our time. And so, Father, we ask that you would pour out your spirit, that the oil of joy would fall over your army today. The oil of joy would fall over the, the sons and the daughters of the Lord. Despite what's going on in the world around us, you, the, the, the army of God is always anointed with joy and with praise. And so today we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and anoint the army of the living God and begin to, to uh, uh, integrate us together into the army that you've called us to be, that all of us would find our place. You're the only one who can order this army, Holy Spirit, and we're inviting you to come do that in Jesus' name. We thank you for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And as we partake of this body, this bread, 
we receive in faith all that Jesus died to give us. We bring to you all the brokenness in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our nation, and in every nation that you've assigned us to. We bring all that brokenness and we receive what Jesus paid for, for all of this. And we thank you for your blood that was poured out for all of us.